Welcome to another edition of Dentalpreneur Secrets, and wow, am I excited for you. On Dentalpreneur Secrets, we help you build an amazing life of significance so you can take care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and really make that difference in the world. But to do that well, you got to protect yourself from the unknown. And that's what today is all about. And by the time we finish today, you're going to know how to really take advantage of different programs that are out there that are going to help you manage the unknown. You're going to have a much better understanding of how these strategic business planning tools can really be deployed in your practice to help protect you. And you're going to feel excited about going back and implementing these strategies in your dental practice so that you can protect one of your most important assets. And in that process, take care of the people you love, the causes you care about, change the world for the better. And today I am so excited. We've got Clay from Strategic Risk Alternatives on, and Clay is going to be really sharing some of these strategies and how you can deploy them in your practice. Clay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tim. Great to be here. Oh, man, man, am I excited to, to have you here today. And so give me a little bit of background. Who are you and what do you do? So at Strategic Risk, we work with business owners. We help them set up their own 831B program and help them manage risks that are, like you said, the unknowns, right? 2020 has been an ideal case study for this, whether it be supply chain interruptions, political risks, you know, mandates to close down, you're not an essential business. There's been a lot of business interruption. There's been a lot of loss of income, lots of interruption due to a lot of different things. And really, that's what our program is here to do. It's help the business owner set up their own A31B program to help them manage risks. All right. Now, now, and I just heard you rattle off some numbers in a letter. What the heck is an 831B? <laughs> so very familiar uh, or very similar to captive insurance, right? We're allowing the business owner to set up their own insurance company. Uh, we refer to it as an 831B program uh, simply due to the fact that it is a piece of the tax code that's been around since 1986 tax reform. Uh, a lot of people are unfamiliar with it, uh, but it's not new. It's been around for a long, long time. Okay. So, so these numbers you're using, that's just like someone referring to a 401k or a 403b. That's just the section of the tax code that Absolutely. these come out of then. That's right. That's right. Okay, so 831B, you said captive insurance, right? I, I thought I have to pay premiums to an insurance company, and that's how I, I manage my risk. What do you mean set up my own insurance company? How does that work? Yeah, so, I mean, it's strategic risk. We are an insurance manager. So we actually form, once we bring on a client, we'll actually form the reinsurance company for the client, and we will manage it for the client. You know, there's not a lot of ex excess needed work on their end, uh, but it provides, it's, it's a planning tool that honestly provides a lot of opportunities that otherwise don't exist. I mean, Fortune 500 companies, auto dealers, et cetera, have been doing these types of these programs for decades. And it's really started to become an opportunity for a small to mid market business owner to utilize these same types of planning tools. Wow. Okay. So a captive insurance company is really the opportunity for you to set up your own insurance company and manage some risks that may not be covered in kind of that traditional insurance market from the policies that you get from your current agent then. That's correct. Okay. Excellent. Now, how did these come about, right? You mentioned they have a long history. They've been around for a while. Well, give me a little bit of the background on these insurance companies that you can set up for yourself. Yeah, so actually came out in 1986 tax reform, as I said, uh, really honestly became a, a, a 
planning tool for farmers to help them subsidize crop insurance. And now, you know, crop insurance is 100% subsidized by the government. And this has been a way for a business to set aside excess profits or revenues into their own insurance company or their own 831B and allow them to build up a bucket of money, a war chest of funds, if you will, in case the unknown does happen, right? So in case we get a virus that affects the entire world and our government's able to say, hey, I don't think you're an essential business, you need to close down for 12 weeks. That's a, that's a huge hit to a business owner. And if they haven't prepped for that ahead of time and having built up money to manage the potential loss of revenue, I mean, honestly, that could be make or break at that point. And so really in our program and what we try to do is help business owners when business is going well, help them prepare and set money aside to manage risks that they may not know exist if they come up, they have those funds readily, readily available. If they don't, then they continue to build reserves and or use those dollars for other planning opportunities. Hmm. Oh, how very interesting. So, so it almost sounds a little bit like an emergency fund, so to speak. And, and I guess, how would you differentiate right, setting up and owning and managing an insurance company as a side to just putting aside a pool of monies, that, that rainy day emergency fund? How does, how does that differ? Honestly, I mean, one way to look at it is now everyone's familiar with the 401k, right? A personal 401k. Look at this as no different than a 401k in, of sorts for your business, right? We're allocating money to the side. If I need it, it's there for absolute needs to manage those risks. Um, if it's not, then obviously I can continue to defer those dollars into the future until there's a day where I might need it down the line. Wow. Okay. Excellent. So if, if you're listening to this and you're a dentist, you know how real of a risk this is. This is not some crazy science fiction any, movie anymore, right? The, the entire world was shut down. We may even be going towards another lockdown again, right? We, we just don't know what the, the future holds, right? Socially, politically, economically, there is uncertainty everywhere. And actually, Clay, you and I were talking a little bit before about a, a doctor who actually had the, the insight, right? A dentist who had the, the foresight to set one of these up prior to the pandemic. Can you share a little bit about what that looked like, what that process was like, and more importantly, how this helped stabilize things for him as we went through the crisis? Absolutely. So, I mean, we work with advisors and CPAs around the country, right? Anyone who works with business owners really is someone we like to work with. Um, you know, we, had a, we have a bunch of different clients in a lot of different arenas, a lot of different industries. We do have plenty in the dental industry. And we had a particular case earlier this year where, as everyone on, that's going to listen to this will know that you know, dentists were closed down for probably two, three months earlier this year. And we had a client file a claim due to a political risk, business interruption, and uh, you know, viable claim. He also submitted you know, a quarter's worth of dental protection plan claims, right? Work that he had done utilizes the dental protection plan, pulls money back into his business for maybe rework or things that he had people come back in to fix. Um, and, you know, that, that was a great opportunity for him to bring money back into his business, infuse it back into his, you know, cash flow at a time that was honestly incredibly needed. Wow, that, that, that's, that's amazing. Now, how, how long prior to the pandemic had this doctor's insurance company been in place? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah, couple we, years. I mean, okay. we've been 
Yeah. This particular client was on for about two, two and a half years prior to this. Excellent. Now, now I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this because, because I know there's a lot of math behind this. There's risk sharing, but just give us a real high level overview of how that works. Because I, I know you may be thinking, you know, well, if I set up my own insurance company and I put, you know, $50,000 away and the next year I have a $100,000 claim, well, I'm on, I'm on the hook somewhere. What, what happens? So can you give us a brief high level overview of kind of how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in a year where you pay premiums to your insurance company or your 831B, right, you're going to have active policies in place, right? A good example would be, um, honestly, a great example would be, you know, I go buy a car. I buy, a, a, they sell me a service contract and a warranty. That auto dealer is selling those because it's, a, it's an additional source of revenue to them. And now they're going to have two options. They either pick that up as rep income, pay their taxes on it, and now manage that warranty with after-tax money, or they take it, set it aside into their, their own insurance company, build up that war chest of funds, and now they're managing that warranty with pre-tax funds for the next three to five years, right? When and if there's a claim, that's how they're going to manage it. No different than what we do with the dental protection plan um, is, you know, if you have patients coming in to get work done, you can take a, an actuarially determined amount of money allocated out of each procedure, set it aside. If I have someone come back in and sit in my chair three, four, five times a week to fix something, rather than me just taking the hit and not making any money, I can file a claim, pull money back into my business to reimburse myself for that. Okay, excellent. But but right, once again, right, if there's not enough money in the company yet, and I have a claim over and above that, I, what happens then? So, you're, anytime you pay premiums, you're going to have active policies in place at two times that amount that you paid in. Okay. So if you've got a potential claim that you've paid or that you're filing, you're wanting to file, you wouldn't be able to have a claim that exceeds the amount of premium you paid in by more than twice that amount. Okay. Right? Or you've got surplus funds that if you paid in for a couple of years already, you've built up that, that bucket of money, as I've said, and you can have the opportunity to pull from that either via a share, excuse me, a shareholder loan, or you can pull a dividend from that to help uh, in case you don't have enough funds set aside for your particular claim. Okay, excellent. And we're going to come back to those shareholder loans in a moment because that is so powerful. Now, this is such a, a fascinating, you know, little bit of the, the tax code, Clay. How did you get started doing this? Uh, so I actually, in a roundabout way, I actually, uh, I played collegiate golf. I uh, actually played professionally for about seven or eight years and then uh, got into the financial services arena, uh, found my way to strategic risk alternatives, had met them. I liked their program, uh, loved everything about it. And, you know, in a roundabout way, they asked me if I would be willing to come to, to work with them as a, uh, as a wholesaler. Um, and, you know, we started looking into it and I, I loved the program. I love the idea of how their, how their program is structured. And I tell people all the time, you won't find any other, another more compliant or cost-effective program in this space than what we do. 
Wow, excellent. Now, now you touched on the compliance piece there. I, I know, right, a quick Google search. If you go type on the internet, right, captive insurance companies, you're going to see some good things about them. You're going to see some really bad things about them. And so you mentioned sure. the compliance piece. And let's just let's just quickly touch on that because, right, these have been abused in the past. And, and maybe you can talk about one of the two of those abuses and why these didn't fly with the IRS. And then we can talk about why proper ones that are structured correctly do fly with the IRS. No, it's, it's, I'm glad you bring it up because there, there's a lot of ways to use these programs and you do them right. Uh, but there is no doubt, just like everything else, there's abuses that go on. Um, you know, making sure that we're setting, setting these up properly and or we're distributing the risk properly is a big deal, right? Uh, the way we structure our program is pretty unique to us. It's different from a lot of other people in this space. Um, but they're transferring the risk to, to our program. We're then forwarding it onto their, their 831B reinsurance company. And it, it, it makes for a clear transfer of risk. Inside of our program, we put together what's referred to as a four-part test. There's got to be a transfer of risk. It's got to be a proper distribution of risk. It's got to be fortuitous type risks. Fortuitous is you know, things that happen by chance, uh, not, a, not a traditional business risk. And then fourth, you got to be making sure that we're following the principles of insurance. And these, these four things, we're a very conservative insurance manager. Um, we take that incredibly seriously. And that's, that's our number one goal is to make sure we set these things up properly and we keep ourselves and or the clients utilizing these programs to benefit them. Okay. So, so let, let's touch on that four-part test. So, so it has to be real risk that, that actually could occur. So, if, so if I'm a dental practice in the Midwest and I decide to write a massive terrorism premium, that probably isn't going to fly, is it? <laughs> Not something we'll do inside of our program. Okay. No. But, uh, if, but if we were to look at things like, well, you know, possibly, right, some kind of a business interruption from a virus, that certainly is a possibility, and yeah, that would fly. Absolutely. Yeah, cyber cyber policies, phishing, malware. Um, look at things like brand protection, dispute resolution. Uh, you know, someone bringing legal action on you. Go back to brand protection. Brand and reputation damage is everything to a business. Uh, I mean, that that can that can cripple a business pretty quickly. You look at things like uh, maybe professional liability. We can add some different endorsements on there, um, or supply chain interruptions. Right. Everybody thinks, oh, I've got a supply chain interruption policy. Well, typical supply chain policies only cover within the walls of your business. But if you rely on a manufacturer distributor to get you product and they have an interruption, your supply chain policy doesn't cover that. Right. So these are things that, again, a lot of the risks we help with are things that the business owner, unfortunately, just eats the cost of. And it's, you know, chalk it up as to the cost of doing business. Right. Or if there's a way to more effectively manage these risks, like through these types of programs, then why not look at it? Yeah, well, right. And you mentioned supply chain interruption, right? Once again, this year has shown us how real that is for you. You know, yeah. I think of the, the massive shortage of N95 masks when all of this first started. That's supply chain interruption. And that's, that's not something you could go underwrite with, you know, your, your local state farm agent or your, your local captive agent, right? This is, this is specialty stuff that, that, that are real risks that you're covering. Yeah, I mean, some, some clients, honestly, some of the things that we're seeing with contractors and home builders is we've seen some of these people in that space put everything on freeze because they can't afford to build a home right now. The markets are crazy, right? Real estate markets are hot. 
especially here in Salt Lake City. But where they run into a problem is the cost of lumber, the cost of goods to build that house has gone up so drastically. I mean, we're looking at, you know, you look at a two by four right now that's typically $2. Right now they're about 585, right? You do that enough to build a home that's six, $700,000. By the time you finish that house, cost of good goes up. You may have lost a hundred grand building that house. I mean, it's those kinds of things that, you know, we tend to not think about, but that that's a serious risk that the contractor takes on and, or a huge interruption when, you know, there's a, they can't get materials to build their, to build their, their, their homes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so we've talked a little bit about that political risk, the, the social risk, the professional liability, supply chain interruption. Now, something unique that, that you do that, that I really like is you also have that dental warranty that you and I have talked about, right? We kind of touched on it briefly, but I think that's so important for, for you as the, the dentist listening yeah. to this is, you know, none of us do perfect work. You know, there are times where you're going to have to go back and retreat something. And usually if you're a dentist, you just simply include that. And if I come back with a, a loose crown or you need to re some, retreat something, you just kind of retreat it because that was built into your original price. But there's ways that you can insure against that with a dental warranty program. Can you walk us through that, Clay? Yeah, absolutely. So dental protection plan is honestly no different than, than a protection plan or a warranty that you would see elsewhere. Um, you know, obviously you're going to offer a warranty on your work because you believe in what you've done. Right. If you if you didn't, if you thought you did, you know, poor work, then you would never offer warranty because it would get used a lot. Offering a warranty, honestly, so that you, you're going to take care of the patient one way or another. Right. And what we've seen from a lot of dentists is that they'll have their clients or their patients come back in to get something fixed. They'll sit in their chair for a couple hours and they don't make any revenue off of that. Right. So this is a way for if I perform a thousand of these procedures a year, I can take X amount, set it aside. Someone goes and chops on a piece of ice or a popcorn kernel and they come back for me to fix it. I'm still going to take care of the patient as I have been, but now I can file a claim out of my 831B reinsurance company and reimburse myself for my time. It just brings more efficiencies to business than just, yeah, I'll take care of it. And we had 10 hours this week where we didn't make any money. Wow. So, so this is a way if you're going back, if you're having to retreat work, you can actually make a claim against your insurance company. And in that process, you can pull out some funds so that you're actually getting paid for retreating any work that you may have to do. Absolutely. Uh, wow. Absolutely incredible. So, you know, as I think about the different levels of practitioners out there, right, we've got that beginning dentist, someone who's just acquiring their first practice. We've got someone who's in the middle of their career. And then we've got, you know, someone who may be ready to exit in, in five years, two years. So how does each, how does, you know, this program apply to kind of each stage of, of dentistry? Yeah, no, it's, it's a, a great question. I mean, Really, to use our program, there's got to be some excess profits or excess revenues that they, that they can set aside, right, to, to allow themselves the opportunity to build up a war chest in case of potential risks. Now, in, in the case of the, the practitioner who just bought his first dentist practice, uh, you know, that may, not be, that may not be viable. Now, for someone who what we've seen is we've seen, you know, a number of clients that do extremely well in orthodontists, uh, dentists, endodontists, et cetera, uh, whether it's a single practitioner or 
multiple partners and or multiple practices. And it, you know, if there's an availability for excess cash flow to be set aside, they have that as an additional opportunity to help them, you know, manage these risks that we're talking about. If there's not, if they're not in that situation, or maybe they're, you know, they're still working on paying off debts or whatever it is, and they don't have those excess revenues, even though they're doing really well, you know, that might not be something they can benefit from. Okay. So, so really the first thing to look at it is you want some excess pros, profits in your business, right? You, you need some cash flow to be able to contribute to this, this company. And then secondarily, it's really kind of that, that risk piece and wanting to, to cover some things then. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, we've seen, we've seen a, a lot of different clients from a lot of different arenas, but in the dental space, yeah, I mean, it's a way for them to, you know, as we talked about, use these enterprise risk management policies, these political risk policies, these brand protection type policies, and or the dental protection plan. Um, you know, I'm going to, I want to take care of my patients no matter what, but if I can reimburse myself for my time, when you come in, and I have that as an opportunity to do so, uh, you know, I'm probably going to look at that. Yeah. So, so right. We talked about kind of that excess profit piece, but you know, if you, if you're listening to this, how do you make sense of a, of if this is right for you, right? How, how can you really start to determine if this is part of your overall strategy and something you should be implementing in your dental practice? Uh, our clients range in size from probably five, 600,000 in revenue on the dental side to, you know, three, four, $5 million in revenue. Obviously those that have multiple practices, revenues go up drastically. Um, but I would say, you know, if you're doing five, 600,000 in revenue, this is something you could potentially look at okay. and give yourself an opportunity to, to explore it. Right. We'll, we'll set up a call, walk you through kind of the benefits, the pros and the cons of the program. If it doesn't work from an, from a cost standpoint, we'll be the first to tell you if it does, um, you know, then we'll, we'll give you those numbers, see what they look like. And if they, we'll give you a year by year breakdown, if it works over, over year by year, we'll show you a five-year performa of using the program versus not. Okay, excellent. So I, I'm Tim McNeely. I'm talking with uh, Clay from Strategic Risk Alternatives, and we are talking about how you can set up your own insurance company so that you can protect yourself, protect your practice, and really build that amazing life of significance, take care of the people you love, causes you care about, change the world for the better. And these are not something new. These are not something unknown. In fact, I got invited to write the forward to becoming seriously wealthy. And this is how to harness the strategies of the super rich and ultra wealthy business owners. And one of the things we talk about in here is setting up your own insurance company. So, so these are very, very well used strategies. And, you know, when you think about it, it's not just necessarily all about protecting risk. You certainly want to protect yourself, but now you've got this war chest that you've been building up. Maybe you have some surplus because you haven't paid out all your claims and good insurance companies know that, right? You want to run your insurance company. So you're not paying out all the money in claims, right? That's why these big insurance companies, you pay a lot of premiums to, and they pay out less than they take in premiums. That, that's the goal you want to insure yourself. So now, Clay, you've got this insurance company set up. It's been running a couple years. There's some surplus funds in there. What can we do with that money? Yeah, no, I'm glad you bring it up. So there's, there's some planning options here, right? You have the opportunity to reserves are tied to at-risk policies. Surplus dollars are going to be no longer at risk. Insurance companies 
eat, sleep, and breathe to use surplus to their benefit, right? So if you have surplus dollars, you have the opportunity to take dividends from the insurance company. You have an opportunity to utilize a shareholder loan, right? Shareholder loans can be taken to the shareholder or lent to the shareholders. And obviously they can be used however they would like, you know, maybe to go buy a new dental practice or go buy a piece of property, build a new building. Um, you know, there, there's endless possibilities there. On the dividends, right? You're taking these dollars out as a long-term cap gains dividend rate. And, you know, again, if it's something you need to go buy equipment with, or you need to, you know, you want to go invest it into maybe an investment property. And again, these are bringing efficiencies to business and giving you opportunities to do things moving forward. Yeah, right. And I think that that's so powerful because we, we just talked about two ways that you can take the, the surplus out. The first is as dividends, and they're going to be taxes dividends. The second is as a shareholder loan. And, and, and I would argue in today's climate, right, the social, political, economic uncertainty, it's important to have options. You know, I, I, my crystal ball is usually wrong, but, but every once in a while, I can kind of read the tea leaves, so to speak. And I would say we're looking at probably a climate where taxes are going to be increasing over time. And so those shareholder loans, how do those work and, and how are they taxed when you take that money out? Yeah. So when, when the funds are lent to the shareholders, they're able to pay principal and interest payments back to their 831B reinsurance company. The, all the interest on that loan is going to be paid back to themselves at their own insurance company. Um, it, it's, a, it's an awesome planning option that you know, doesn't create an upfront taxable event while also having access to those funds to be able to utilize. Um, you know, there's, we've had a number of clients that have gone out and as I said, built or bought a piece of property to build a new office building or build a new practice. Uh, or maybe they went out and bought another practice um, you know, to grow their business and put those dollars to work within their business, so. So this is really the, the opportunity, like you said, to, to build up that war chest, to have some funds. And then if you want to acquire that piece of property, if you want to buy a new dental practice, if you want to get some equipment, you don't have to go get your, your banking advice from the equipment rep. You don't have to go talk to the bank to get a loan. You can just get it from yourself. Yeah. Or it gives you the option to do one or the other, right? I mean, if I have an option to pay myself to interest on a loan and utilize those dollars putting them to work within my own business, I may look at that as an option over going to loan money from the bank and pay interest to someone else. Um, you know, if I can bring that in house and I have that flexibility, everyone would love to have those options. Yeah. So, so now you literally are paying the interest to yourself as opposed to the bank. Sure. Absolutely. What a powerful, powerful strategy. Now, we've also seen this used, and I know you've set these up for a couple group practices. We were talking about one group, you know, three prior partners, I believe, four practices, and they really saw a big opportunity with these insurance companies and setting them up. How are they using this as a strategic planning tool to yeah. really make a difference in their group practice? So in addition to the things that we've already talked about, one thing they liked was that it was a potential recruiting tool. Right. I, we don't want it. I've talked to many people in this space with multiple partners and they, they'll, they'll have a, a partner leave, go work somewhere else. And then they continually take care of their rework for the person who left for the next 12, 18, 24 months. Right. And that's just hours that they're taking care of or re redoing work for someone who's no longer with them. 
this gives them an opportunity to use this as a potential recruiting tool in the source or in the sense of that I'm going to, I want someone to come in. I want, maybe we'll give them an opportunity to have a piece of this 831B reinsurance company. Any of their work they, they do, they can allocate to their, their own dental protection plan as part of our, as part of our program. Or maybe the, the surpluses that are built up, maybe they can have a piece of ownership, um, you know, by way of maybe we'll use this as some golden handcuffs and incentivize, incentivize that, you know, that dentist to stay around within this practice and help us grow this thing rather than leaving for maybe another opportunity. Wow. Absolutely incredible, right? What a, what a powerful and flexible, you know, really kind of strategic business planning tool. These are, they can be used in multiple ways to, to really help you achieve what's important to you. So Clay, you know, kind of as we start to, to wind down here, what are some of the, the dangers or disasters or, or what are the things you have to be aware of when you're going in and setting these up, right? We can certainly tell benefits every day, but what's going to go wrong or what can go wrong and, and what do you need to be aware of? Yeah, so I'm, obviously the IRS is on the look for abusive scenarios in this, in this captive space, right? There's been lots of abuses. Obviously, businesses trying to set aside way more than they should be. I mean, there, there's been, you know, there's been people that have tried to put 40, 50, 60, 70 percent of their revenue into their own insurance companies. I mean, that's egregious. That's abusive. Right. That's why inside of our program we will allow the practice or the business owner to set aside 10 to 15 percent of revenue. It's very conservative. It's what has always been the case from day one when they were farmers were able to set aside 10% of their revenue for crop insurance, right? So we've always held true to very conservative uh, management of the insurance company. Now, as far as anyone abusing our type of our program, I, I'm pretty sure every year we fire one client because they don't follow our rules. They don't follow our guidelines. And at the end of the day, we're here to, we feel we provide a very valuable service. We help business owners all over the place manage risk and have these opportunities to have more advanced planning options, right? Well, if someone's going to come into our program and they ever try to do anything without us knowing first, that's probably something that we will take a look at, but it's on us as the insurance manager to manage your insurance company in compliance and make sure that we're doing things within the letter of the law, the best we know how. Wow. Now, now I hope you picked up on what Clay just mentioned. He said something that is so key that that's gold. And this is something you can use with no matter what professional you're working with. And I really hope you picked up on it. It's when Clay said every year we probably fire a client or two because they're not doing things right. And, And right. What an important question for you to ask the professionals you're working with is under what circumstances do you fire a client, right? That shows integrity on the part of the vendor. It it shows integrity on that service provider that they really are concerned about doing things right. So so I hope you picked up on that. It's such a powerful statement you made, Clay. And thank you for sharing this with us because I think that's applicable to to any provider you work with anytime is under what circumstances would you fire someone? Yeah, absolutely. No, we feel the same way. Very, very powerful. So any closing thoughts for us? How, How can we find you? How can we learn more about this? So we have our website, strategicriskalternatives.com. Uh, there's all kinds of information on there. Uh, shows our different programs, different ways to utilize this in different industries. Uh, you can always reach out to me. My email 
is clay at strategicriskalternatives.com. Uh, and then I'm sure Tim can provide my information as far as contact numbers. Um, you can always reach out to me through Tim as well. Uh, you know, we're here to help business owners more effectively manage and navigate these ever-changing things that come at us. They're, every business owner has tons of risk. Oftentimes we don't know where it's coming from. I don't think anybody knows or knew, maybe your crystal ball knew prior to 2020 that we had this bizarre virus coming in uh, that's created a complete mess. Um, the years turned out to be somewhat decent in comparison to where we thought it might've been going in April, but moving forward, who knows? Yeah, very true. Wow, Clay. Well, you know what? At the beginning, you know, we, we said we were going to set out so that we can share some knowledge with people about these programs to help you manage the unknown. And we said you're going to have a better understanding of how these strategic planning, planning tools can be deployed in your practice to, to really help you protect and, and build wealth. And I hope you're excited about going back and implementing these strategies or at least learning more and considering them because that's the goal of everything we do here is we want to bring you those ideas, those strategies, those tactics, so you can continue to build that amazing life of significance, accelerate your success, take care of the people you love, causes you care about, change the world for the better. I'm Tim McNeely. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and make it a great day.